0: Thanks for tuning in to the Fertility Health Podcast hosted by renowned fertility specialist Mark Trollis, MD. Each episode features first-hand advice and potential treatment news, tips, and strategies listeners can use on their fertility journey. And now, here's your host, Dr. Trollis.
1: Hi, and welcome to the Fertility Health Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Mark Trollis, and joining me today to discuss social media in our reproductive world is a good friend, Dr. Kenan Omertag. Um, and what he's, one of his specialties is social media use among fertility clinics and their patients. And given that podcast is going out on, on, uh, into the cyber world, I thought what a terrific topic uh, to bring to you all. Uh, it, it's really been amazing in, in my career to see the, the growth in the field of, of marketing and education uh, particularly fertility patients. You, you all have always been uh, so uh, educational, savvy in being your own advocates and seeking information that would help your, your problem. Uh, and I'm always impressed by, by you all when we have consultations to sit down and talk uh, about your particular problem. Uh, edu- your questions are so educated and, and you could tell the research that you're done. But the reason why I wanted to bring an expert like uh, Dr. Armitag uh, is because there's a lot of information online that's great, but there's a lot of information online that's not great. Uh, so uh, we're going to touch on that subject as well as where to go for the right information, um, what's the status of social media today, and where it's going to be going. So uh, with that, I wanted to give you a little bit of background about our guest, uh, Dr. Omertag is an associate professor of reproductive endocrinology and infertility at the Washington University St. Louis School of Medicine. Uh, he's in the Department of Obgyn, of course. He received his medical degree. He uh, was a combined program. He was very, very motivated to get done uh, in rapid time. Uh, combined uh, uh, Bachelor of Arts program and MD program University of Missouri. Uh, Kansas City School of Medicine and completed his residency at Emory in Atlanta and fellowship at Washington University, where he remains on faculty. Uh, He's a nationally known scholar. I'm I'm very impressed with him in in his young career on his contributions uh, to our field, and I always enjoy uh, his his publications. He's a nationally known scholar due to his research efforts focusing on three areas, three major areas, male factor and fertility, uh, social media use among fertility clinics and their patients, and that w- that's what caught my eye for this talk, and then access to assisted reproductive technologies. Uh, so with that, I wanted to bring on uh, Dr. Ken Omertag uh, to our program. Ken, welcome.
2: Hey, Mark. Thanks for having me. It's good to be on the show. I'm excited about what you're doing.
1: Um,
2: mm. It's really good to be a part of. Thanks.
1: Oh, well, thank you for accepting. It's, uh, it's, it's, it's really a, a pleasure and an honor to have so many Of of the top colleagues in the country, uh, take some time out of their day to do this. So thank you. So, Ken, let's get right into it. What What do you see as uh, from the physician's perspective, uh, and also the patient? I I would think. What is the value of social media in in your uh, expertise? Well,
2: I think there's a lot of value for social media. I think to answer that question, first, got to figure out like what do we consider social media. I think there are a lot of different things that you know, are considered social media. So when I think of social media right now, I mean, it's usually you're thinking about specific platforms like Facebook, Instagram, Snapchat, Pinterest, um, those venues that give people an opportunity to kind of reach out to others, YouTube. So I think there's some value in it because it allows the clinic to direct their message outwardly or outbound. Um, as opposed to kind of waiting for people to come to them and then advertise so you have an opportunity to kind of project your messages, your narratives your information about yourself to a broader audience using those channels so that's where I think social media is helpful
1: yeah, absolutely, excellent, excellent. so you know it's amazing the evolution um, just in my career uh, you start off that everybody had to have a business card and you make sure that you wherever you go, whatever meeting you go to, whatever event or, or conference, business card, business card, business card, then your website became a business card. If you didn't have a website, uh, you, you were not part of the current way to market your practice to patients and, and to give patients uh, realistic expectations of what it would be like to come to your place. And now we're in the social media world. Um, and, and and patients use being online. Uh, well, let me ask you, what, what do you think is the, uh, is the way that patients use social media to choose a reproductive endocrinologist?
2: So I think so I think a lot of people, social media is just basically uh, you know, word of mouth 2.0, right? So, you know, you have a friend who uh, went to a clinic, that friend told you they had a great experience, you like that friend, you know, you trust them, their personality matches you. I mean, obviously seeing a reproductive endocrinologist or going to a fertility clinic required, you know, you want to make sure you're in a trusted place, it's a very intimate relationship. So, you know, patients, when clinics look, when they're trying to figure out what clinic they want to go to... Sometimes it just comes down to these minor differentiators. Okay, the pregnancy rates are the same between these two clinics, but, you know, my friend likes this clinic. My friend had a good experience there. Oh, and apparently all these other people I follow on Instagram had a good experience there, or they really talk about that clinic. And then, you know, not, while well, not exactly social media per se, but taking advantage of big data collected by our footprints online and by um, our activity online there are websites that will score that patients can go and review fertility clinics that then other patients can then go to to kind of get a sense of um, you know okay this is what this physician scored this is how many reviews they got they got 30 positive reviews versus the one person who got one positive review you know okay well I'm, those kind of tools help patients make a decision or may push them to make a decision one way or another. They're not, you know, people look at online endorsements about fertility clinics pretty much about the same they do for any kind of online endorsement. You meet with some skepticism, right? You're not just gonna blindly say, oh, well, these five people like this fertility center, so I guess I'll go there too. While there is some of that, there's not, everyone is different, so these social media tools just help add a little more depth for the decision-making process for the patient, and at least in my view.
1: Yeah, yeah, I, I'm. I wanted to touch more about the reviews, but uh, while we're talking about these uh, th- these ways of phys- that patients can get to know us better, what are the caveats that patients should be looking at? Uh, you know, websites. Uh, some practices obviously tout uh, tremendous accomplishments, and and and. Uh, um, uh, services and so on and so forth. What are what are some red flags, or, or, or have you uh, have you come across in your research some things that patients really should should double check before they just jump right in?
2: Well, I think for any so it's a, okay. So first of all, when you're looking at the website, I mean, you know, you want to are the is that is that fertility clinic a. You know, some people will like to say, is this a, start or a society of assisted reproductive technology member clinic? Are the physicians board certified reproductive endocrinologists? These are some things that I think are important for people to look at. Other things are, if you're following a physician, so what is starting to happen now is reproductive endocrinologists are starting to, you're starting to see kind of the rise of the reproductive endocrinology influencer, so to speak. Um, so as you get more individual physician personalities on social media, let's say Instagram or Snapchat or Twitter, um, you're gonna you want to be very careful because while a lot of people are providing wholesome messages and educational messages about infertility, there you also want to make sure they have no conflict of interest. So if someone's peddling a product, like I do this, so right, like I'm a consultant for a home sperm test. I have a financial disclosure, okay? So I will tell in my Instagram posts that I am a consultant, a paid consultant for this product and I'll be very explicit about that. So anytime I talk about that product, I say that. So that is the responsibility of any physician online talking about a product that they declare that they do not or that they do have a financial conflict of interest. So I think it's within any right for a patient, if they're on a social media account and the physician is marketing something, that they ask, they can reply and say, hey, do you have a financial interest in that product or in that procedure or whatever? I think that's totally appropriate. And then, you know, you kind of, the physician or the respondent either says yes, no, and then you kind of roll with it from there. And you either believe them or you don't. But I think that's the responsible way to do it.
1: You know, I, I, I enjoy uh, hearing what you're saying about the conflict of interest. And uh, in the past, and, and uh, uh, I'm, I'm even writing about that now, I have a book that's coming out in, the, uh, uh, in 2019, about the potential exploitation of our patients. When you talk about conflict of interest, uh, Ken, and it's not only product, uh, uh, you know, you're talking about an over-the-counter product or so on and so forth. I mean, you know, good, bad, or indifferent, Everything that we do has a potential conflict of interest in that, you know, the reality is we we, we receive revenue for the services that we provide, and IVF is, is extremely lucrative for practices, particularly in states, unfortunately, that do not have good insurance coverage, and I think it's very, 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 very important for the patients to caveat emptor and the buyer beware in that... You know these websites can tout a lot of things, and and I don't mean to disparage colleagues, uh, but you know our obligation is to the patient, and uh, you and I of course as we're, as we're talking, and and so um, you know if some some patients, or some clinics will, will push IVF more, and that or at least encourage, and that's a potential conflict of interest too, because the clinic owns the lab, they own the uh, um, the facility, and so on and so forth. So. Um, you know, every, everybody has disclosure, uh, uh, opportunity, uh, and, and it comes down to, of course, uh, patients asking lots of questions uh, and also having a gut feeling uh, 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 that you were talking about an influencer before. The influencer, you know, is, is, is a superstar maybe online, but we, but we have to ensure that they are giving evidence-based recommendations not necessarily just opinion, you know, things that are supported by the medical literature, as you do, um, to, to ensure that the patient's getting the right information. Wouldn't you agree?
2: I, I agree. And I'll tell you, I've had some, you know, like, I I think patients are very intelligent when it comes to this. I mean, I think they can, I mean, just like, you know, I can sniff out a suspicious Amazon review. I mean, the patients can kind of sniff out pretty quickly, uh, you know, a You know, like, this doesn't sound right. This sounds too good to be true. Or whether it's online, in person. I mean, we, as human beings, use social cues all the time. Now we've expanded our repertoire to look at how those social cues are demonstrated online to kind of decide whether we trust um, a source or not. But I think patients uh, patients have evolved um, just like any non-patients have evolved in kind of deciphering what's real and what's not online.
1: Yeah, it's not easy. I mean, you have body language when you're in person, but uh, virtual body language online and text is uh, not, too, uh, not too easy to, d- to discern. Let me put you on the spot, uh, Kenan. Uh, what do you think about reviews? Uh, are they good for patients? Are they good for clinics? Um, you know, are, is, there, is it really doing the job that uh, apparently was meant to be?
2: I think reviews are, you know, just like superficially, I think they're helpful. Um, you know, just as, you know, I use the review on Amazon to decide which, you know, toy. And, again, I, have, I mentioned Amazon, but I have no conflict of interest with them. But, I mean, you get the point, right? Like, we kind of take the reviews with a grain of salt. Okay, well, I know that 30 people could have just, uh, you know, put in review. You know, like, I, I know that these reviews could be gained to some extent so i don't know if i entirely trust them i mean i a patient could say to oneself right so i think they're fine but i worry about um whether you know like what is the purpose ultimately of using you know of uh, uh, what you know what are the reviews doing right so it's just collecting data from a bunch of people that then can be used to You know, potentially profit off of or make money off of, uh, which is fine. I mean, it's a capitalistic society, but um, I largely think the reviews are okay. I don't really have a problem with it. Now, how, now I know a lot of people get anxious about the reviews online and, oh, this review is bad or this review is not. um, And that's, you know, another topic. But as far as the reviews of themselves, like the review sites or the reviews, patients doing reviews online. I think that's just the way 2018 and the way where society is, and I don't yeah. think that's really going to go away.
1: Right. No, I, I, don't, I don't think so either. Um, so, what's the order, if you will? What preference is there for patients to select uh, a reproductive endocrinologist? Is it uh, the from their physician, their ob/gyn? Uh, what is the highest value that they have? Is it the reviews? Uh, is it patients, other uh, are, are friends, uh, is it their website, is it their social media influence? And I know, obviously, it's a combination to some degree, but what what would you say are the top two or three things that, that allow patients to say, hey, that's the that's the person I want to see?
2: I think patients just want to know, A, are they good at what they do? Like, are, are their success rates good? Now, the, the, the success rate is a loaded question because how people present their success rates can be gained to some extent I get but I think ultimately patients want to know am I going to a place that's trusted from a scientific standpoint like are they going to provide me the standard of care number one I mean I think that's most important and then number two are they going to do it in a way that is sensitive to my needs and sensitive to me like I am I going to feel like um, they care I guess is a simple way of putting it. Are they going to do me right medically, and then if things don't go well, I mean, are they going to care, okay? Mm -hmm. Uh, And then everything else is just trying to tease out, because many clinics will do you right and many clinics will care. So then you've got to figure out, okay, well, man, there's so many clinics in my neighborhood that will do me right and will care. So. How do I differentiate which one? Okay, well, you know, my friend went to this one. My other friend went to that one. I, I like what I heard here. Okay, I think their experience. Okay, well, their social media, their website is very informative, or things are easy to do. Um, oh, I heard their front office was great. Um, you know, like, these are the kind of things. It's the, it's the ancillary experience that I think drives the, drives a lot of the decision when all things else are equal. And how they decide what that experience is going to be can be through their social media channels, because some clinics will present a image that may be conducive to one that the patient thinks they're going to get when they go. Um, it might be, you know, very friendly, etc. Um, they also use those social media channels to look at comments where other people comment. Are those comments mm-hmm. presented Fine. organically, etc. So, I mean, okay. I think. I think the social media stuff is just secondary to kind of the, are they gonna do me right, and then are they gonna right. care?
1: What, what are the main portals for patients, uh, Ken, uh, to, to learn uh, about a reproductive endocrinologist? You mentioned several of them. Uh, what are the top two or three of those?
2: Well, I think SART is actually a good, so SART.org, S-A-R-T.org, Society of Assisted Reproductive Technology.org. I think that's a good place for people to start Um, and then um, reproductivefacts.org
1: if they go to asrm.org and and you'll see reproductivefacts.org I think that's another great one
2: yeah that's another good one so those two websites are good places to go um, Mm -hmm. if you're kind of like okay where do I go from here Uh, you know and then people will just start googling fertility and then in their you know market whatever region they're in and then they'll take what they get you know I think we're all at this point conscious of the fact that you know the first clinic on Google isn't necessarily the quote-unquote best one uh, because of you know search engine optimization strategies etc but Mm -hmm. um, you know I think it's important for people to recognize that you know that's not a bad place to start either but I would start with SART and I would start with reproductivefacts.org just to get kind of some baseline information
1: yeah or, or or for some uh emotional support or or, or patient advocacy issues resolve is there dot org. you were talking about next steps and and in our remaining moments our remaining moments Kevin, tell me uh where you think the next frontier is for social media with physicians and patients
2: so the next frontier for social media, I don't know. I mean, I think it's, I'm going to be, I'm really interested to see, I have myself migrated away from Facebook. I mean, I think there's largely, like, I, people are like, well, I kind of, I was born in 1981. So by some standards, I'm a millennial. By other standards, I'm not. And then some people have made up this term, zillennial. <laughs> um, so, like, I don't know. I'm curious to see where, where Facebook goes and where people my age go with it. But it doesn't really matter what people my age do. What matters is the next wave, the next generation coming up into the into their reproductive years, because how they use technology today will drive how they access healthcare tomorrow. So um, I think I think what we need to do as providers, as we move, you know, is just kind of figure out what tools they're using um, and how they're using them, and if it makes sense to incorporate them. So I don't have a specific. Uh, idea other than I'm curious to see the consolidation of social media tools. We might see more. I'll be curious what uh, some of the cell phone providers end up uh, building out with their mobility apps.
1: Interesting. Well, it's certainly clear that that uh, uh, patients want immediate accessibility uh, and the connection to the clinic. Uh, and and obviously, uh, it's our obligation to empower them uh, with, with, with the correct information that's evidence-based. So, Uh, Kenan, we're we're out of time and and I enjoyed this tremendously. I think I told you that it it goes pretty fast. So, um, Everyone, thanks for listening to the Fertility Health Podcast. Uh, My guest uh, today was uh, Dr. Kenan Omertag. He is at uh, the Washington University St. Louis School of Medicine and if you are anywhere near that area, I would definitely seek him out uh, as an expert in reproductive medicine. Uh, with uh, uh, great insight and um, uh, uh, patient advocacy. It's, if there's anything from today's show you want to learn more about, check out the IVFcenter.com for all the notes, links, and tips mentioned in this episode. Thanks again for listening. This is Dr. Mark Trous, and we'll see you next episode. Take care.
0: Thanks for listening to the Fertility Health Podcast. If there's anything from today's show you want to learn more about, Check out the IVFcenter.com for all the notes, links, and tips mentioned in this episode. If you're not already subscribed to the show, please press the subscribe button on your podcast player so you don't miss a future episode. And if you haven't given us a review or rating on iTunes yet, consider leaving a five-star review to help us reach and educate even more individuals in need. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you next episode.